You're listening to The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome Podcast. Welcome to episode four of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Thank you so much for working this podcast into your listening routine. It means the absolute world to me. And as always, I want to make sure that I make it worth it to you by providing tangible information that you can put into practice in your life and by introducing you to the most compelling and inspirational people that I can find to help us all reinvent and transform ourselves. And once again, in terms of reinvention or transformation, I'm not sure that I've ever seen somebody do the hard reset or reboot on their life that my guest today has done, Damon West. Now, you know how folks talk about it, like you don't really know how to describe it, but you know it when you see it. Damon West has it coming out his ears, and he had the life, the brains, the charm, the look, the athletic ability, the charisma, a great job, a beautiful future, everything, until he became consumed with substance abuse. And then he turned to a life of crime to support his addiction before ultimately being sentenced to life in prison. This is Damon West's unbelievable story, and it's coming at you right now on The Reinvention Project. This podcast is sponsored by Carnivore Trading. We are going to get into why you want their stock market information on an everyday basis. Details in this pod. Damon, my man, this new podcast that I've taken on is all about reinvention and transformation in those listening and in myself. Now, this is something I feel really, really strongly about personally, and I think a lot of people listening do as well. And frankly, I'm not sure I've come across too many people that have had the type of reinvention and transformation that you've had in your life. So I knew that I had to reconnect with you for this pod and then introduce you to those who may not yet know you. My friend, it is great to have you on the Reinvention Project pod. Damon, how are you doing? Jim, my brother, man, I am doing so well. Man. Hey, first thing right at you, greetings from Fort Sill, Oklahoma. I'm at an Army base where I'm training, training troops on mindset and resilience, the very thing we're going to talk about today. It, 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 but, and another thing, though, Perfect. Jim, thank you, for, thank you for this opportunity today to share some time with you and, and your listeners and, and everybody out there about what we're going to talk about because it's so important. And the third thing, Congratulations to the Radio Hall of Fame, my brother. You have earned it, man. Great career. Damon, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for saying all those things. I really do appreciate that, and I'm not at all surprised that you are where you are right now, teaching what you are to our armed forces. Now, normally, Damon, a story this wild and a journey as unbelievable as yours, I would say, take me back to the beginning, but let's not do that. Let's not do that. Instead, take us back to July 30th, 2008, where were you on that night, and what happened? Man, I was sitting around this little rundown apartment in Dallas where I lived at the time, and I'm sitting on this little ratty old couch. I've got my meth dealer sitting next to me, this guy named Tex. And, I, and I'm a full-blown meth addict at that point, Jim, and the head of an organized crime ring in Dallas. And I'm sitting there smoking dope with this meth dealer, and I'm telling him, I was like, Tex, man, the end is near. The cops are closing in on me. Ten days before that, they had just arrested my partner in crime, this guy named Dustin. Caught him with a stolen car. And just as I passed the pipe back to this dude, the window shattered off to my right, and tumbling across my living room floor, Jim, was a canister, and it's smoking on one end. It, Jim, I've seen this movie before. I know what's about to go down. I try to get off the couch and get out of that living room. Boom! Flash bring grenade goes off my face. Bright white light, loud noise, and when I can see and hear again, there's a cop standing on top of me. He got his boot on my chest, and the barrel of an assault rifle is sticking in my eye socket, and he is screaming at the top of his lungs, don't move, don't move. 
And, man, all I could do was look up at this guy and blink and say, man, don't worry. Don't worry. So, Damon, I mean, th- this this is absolutely incredible. Like, you had, you have, but you had it all growing up. Great family, loving parents who taught you right from wrong, good looks. You're bright, you're energetic, you're charismatic. You were a great athlete, a college football player, and you had some really good jobs when you got out. How in the world did you end up in that house, in that life, Damon? Man, I, I think you could sum it up in just, you know, addiction, substance abuse. I mean, you know, there's so many people in this world uh, suffer from the disease of addiction, and, and I'm one of them. You know, today I'm in a program of recovery, which thank God I have this program of recovery, this 12-step program that I can live a normal life. But back then I didn't have that, Jim. And, and it started out, you know, doing drugs at a young age, and then it escalated throughout my life. And eventually I was introduced to meth when I was a stockbroker in Dallas in 2004. And once I was introduced to meth, I mean, the whole world fell apart. It happened fast, Jim. I mean, meth just took a hold of me. And I went from working on Wall Street to living on the streets of Dallas. I'm homeless, man. I'm living in abandoned buildings, sleeping in people's cars. And once I was out of money, once I had blown through all my savings and and everything, I started committing property crimes to fund my addiction. And and at first it was like simple property crimes. Jim, I'm breaking into cars. I'm breaking into storage units. But eventually it escalated to home burglaries. And, Jim, I'm going to tell you something, man. In my life, I've always been the quarterback, whether it was playing college football leading a burglary crew, or today going out there and, and sharing this coffee bean message and being a leader out in the world in a positive way, I've always been the quarterback, and I've always done things full speed. And when I got into the drug world and the crime world, I did it full speed, too. I put together my own burglary crew. We went out, and we burglarized houses for three years in Dallas. And, man, let me tell you something. My victims, they didn't just have their property stolen from them, man. I stole these people's sense of security. I was a bad guy, Jim. But on July 30, 2008, that Dallas SWAT team – they put an end to the uptown burglaries. Not only that, but they saved my life that day. They pulled me out of a situation I couldn't get myself out of. But the, the short answer to your question is substance abuse, man. Substance abuse and a bad set of belief systems. Damon, I so appreciate that candor and the way you answered that question. Now, you sat in the county jail for 10 months waiting to go to trial. What happened at trial? Oh, man. So, at the end, so May 18th, 2009. I'll, I'll never forget this day, Jim. I'm standing in front of the the judge, this judge who hadn't smiled the entire trial. And he's standing there, and he's got a grin from ear to ear because the jury had just gone to deliberate. After six days of trial, six days of testimony, Jim, six days is a long criminal trial for crimes that were non-aggravated. No one was ever home during my crimes. I never physically saw one of my victims. It didn't matter. After six days of overwhelming evidence of my guilt, because I was so guilty, Jim, the jury went to deliberate for 10 minutes on my sentence, man. Mm. 10 minutes, man. I, I, I don't know how much law and order you watch, but if a jury's gone for 10 minutes, they smoked you. And when I came back in the courtroom, the judge is smiling. I'm, I'm nervous. And, I, and he says, Damon Joseph West, you are hereby sentenced to 65 years in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Jim, 65 years is a life sentence. The jury on May 18, 2009, gave me life that day. A life sentence, Jim. It took my breath away. It took my mom's breath away. My mom was on the front row of the courtroom, and I could hear my mother gasp when the judge read the sentence out. That day, though, Jim, is what I call rock bottom. And if you're an addict and you're, you've got to hit rock bottom and bounce up from that, you're pretty lucky because not everybody even hits the rock bottom. But that day, May 18, 2009, I, I got sentenced to life in prison, Jim. Count it.
Mark it down. This is the day that picking winning stocks got super easy. I am on Carnivore Trading. I love it. It's a radically different stock targeting website that is disrupting Wall Street big time. What Carnivore Trading is, is a small elite squad of stock market strategists. These are the guys who influence the market influencers, the big guys. And what they're doing is pulling back the curtain so folks like you and I, from newbies to portfolio managers even, can see exactly what they're trading. This is why I signed up. For a low monthly fee, I get real-time text alerts of the explosive stocks that they're trading right now. It's like, dude... Here's what we're hitting. Here's why we're hitting it. It's my choice now. I can mirror their trades through my own discount broker or I can pass. But then passing is nuts because their trades are crushing the S&P 500. Trading carnivores trades is like earning your PhD in the stock market. And you'll love this. They guarantee that you'll earn five times your monthly subscription or double your money back. Five times your monthly fee just by mirroring their trades. Five times your monthly fee just by doing what they do. Here's what I've got for you. Two free weeks to see for yourself. Visit scoreourtrades.com and enter the code Jim. Again, scoreourtrades.com. The code is Jim. See website for guarantee terms and conditions. Past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. So life in prison, Damon, and it's rock bottom. You're sentenced, and then they take you off to the side, and you get to visit with your parents one last time before they take you away. What did your father say? My dad, well, my dad, man, my dad comes in. He's, he's, he's speechless, man. He's a stunned disbelief. You know, he just saw his son with all this promise in life get a, get a life sentence in prison. So my mom, my mom's a, a nurse, man. She, you know, she's a nurse, and she's got a tremendous faith in God, so she... You know, she says, hey, baby, listen, they're, they're on the other side of a bulletproof glass. They're going to give them one last visit before I go to prison. And she said, baby, she said, debts in life demand to be paid. She said, you just got hit with one hell of a bill from the state of Texas. She said, but you did the things they said you did at that trial, Damon. So you have to go, and you've got to pay that debt to society. You owe Texas that time. She said, but you owe your father and I a debt, too. She said, Damon, we gave you all the opportunity, love, and support to be anything you want to be in life, anything at all. And she said, this is how you repay us? She said, that's not going to work. She said, we raised you in Port Arthur, Texas, a giant melting pot of a city, gave you a great moral compass, which you chose to not use. She said, so here's the debt you're going to pay to us. And this is it, Jim. This is the ultimatum. She said, when you go to prison, you will not get in one of these white hate groups, one of these Aryan Brotherhood-type gangs, because you're scared because you're the minority in there. She said, you were never raised to be a racist, and you're not going to start being one now. And she said, Damon, you're not going to get any tattoos while you're inside that prison. She told me, she said, no gangs, no tattoos. She said, you come back as the man we raised or don't come back at all. And this is, I mean, this is tough love. I'm crying my eyes out. My mom's like, do you understand this debt you're going to pay? And I was like, yeah, Mom, I got it. But, I mean, Jim, what do I know, man? I'm a white middle-class guy from America, man. What, what do I know about the penitentiary, right? But, uh, but I was going to find out, man, when I went back to my pod in Dallas County Jail and I asked all the guys that had been to prison before, you know, how am I going to survive, and what am I going to do? And, Jim, every guy I talked to, man, it was bad news for me. Every guy I talked to, man, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, they're telling me the same thing. They're like, man, you have to get into a gang. You can't survive without a gang. They told me that gang, that, that lie that they tell people in the streets of America all the time, Jim, when they say the gang is your family, the gang will love you, the gang will protect you, all lies. 
But what wasn't a lie, Jim, is what they told me. They said, you're going to the worst part of the prison system where everybody on the building you live on has a life sentence. They call it the life sentence building because you have a life sentence, West. Make your life easy, man. Get into a gang. But, Jim, there was one guy in that pod, man, this older black man named Mr. Jackson. And, man, Mr. Jackson, he was different than everybody else, Jim. He was the one that told me something completely opposite of what everybody else did. David, let me ask you this. Okay, so, I mean, th- this is amazing. So your mother tells you you will go there and you will pay a debt, not only to society, but to your father and I. And as part of that, part of that repayment, you are not to join a gang. You are not to get any ink. Everybody you're talking to, though, in county is saying, oh, no, if you want to survive, you have to join a gang, which brings us to Mr. Jackson. Now, before we get to the coffee bean, he laid out for you how prison works on the inside. What were the types of things that he told you? Yeah, you know, Mr. Jackson, this guy... This guy would just come to me in the mornings. He'd talk to me. We'd have coffee. And he, he shared so much with me, Jim. This guy talked to me. He, he, he taught me. Not so much talked to me. He taught me so much about racism and social justice. And, and one day he comes up and he tells me, he, says, let me, he said, let me tell you what prison is going to be like. And he said, I want you to imagine. He said, first of all, you need to understand that prison is all about race. He said, race runs the entire disgusting institution. He said, when you walk into prison, you're going to see a TV set in the day room. And in front of the TV set, you're going to see rows of benches. He said, now the first row of benches is for the blacks. He said, don't sit on that row. You get your head smashed in. That's our row. He said, the second row of benches, that's for the Hispanics. He said, don't sit on their row either. They'll smash your head in too. He said, but the third row, if there's a third row, that's where the white folks sit. He said, if there's no third row, white folks sit on the, sit on the floor. He said, that's just the way the numbers work in prison. He said, Wes, you don't have the numbers on the, on the inside like you do on the outside. The blacks have the numbers in there. And he said, because it's about race, when you walk in the door there, the white gangs, they get the first dibs on you because you're white. He said, so the Aryan Brotherhood, the Aryan Circle, the white knights, the woods, he said, you're fighting them all. He said, and if you survive all that and you don't give in to their ideology of hate out of fear. And, Jim, we do a lot of things in life out of fear, man. Fear can make us do things that are antithetical to their own good. And that's what Jackson's telling me. He said, don't give in to these guys out of fear. He said, but get ready. Because once you get through the white gangs, and the, then the black gangs are coming after you. The Crips, the Bloods, the Gangster Disciples, the Mandingo Warriors, he said they're coming after you because the white gangs are going to send them after you. And the black gangs, they're going to be happy to tee off on an independent white guy that will not get with his own race. He said, but if you survive all that, and you can survive all that, you will earn the right to walk alone. He told me, Jim, he said the strongest man in prison always walks alone. And he told me that day, he said, you don't have to win all your fights. But you do have to fight all your fights. And that's something I repeat to myself almost daily to this day, Jim. UFC 260 is a can't-miss event. Every punch... Kick and knockout means so much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is offering all players a shot at millions of bucks in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is an easy thing to play. All you do is pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There is no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of bucks in total prizes. Plus, do not forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, it's reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app right now, use the promo code ROAM, and get a shot at millions of bucks in total prizes throughout the week. 
promo code Rome to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Lay this out. Like, who did you fight? How many fights did you have? And how did that go? Man, Jim. You know, Jackson... What, he was prophetic in so many ways. He knew exactly what I was walking into. He, I mean, like he described to me, he told me what my first day of prison was going to be like, you know. And, and when I walked in, it was exactly that, man. Within five minutes of being in, in prison, when they, they throw me in that pod, that giant room with, you know, a whole new world in the life sentence building, white guy comes up to me for a little bitty white dude, comes up, gets in my face, and he's like, hey, white boy. He said, what family are you riding with? And I was like, man, you know, get out of my face, little dude. I'm riding with God. You know, please leave me alone. Please. He laughed at me, Jim. He said, man, God didn't hear white boy. He said, but we're here and we're coming to get you. And he stumbles his little, his little self off. And he, about 10 minutes later, man, biggest white dude I've ever seen, big corn-fed white dude, man, swastika on top of his head. I mean, just tatted up, got ink everywhere. He comes down the stairwell. My first fight in prison is over in 20 seconds, Jim. This guy beats the hell out of me, one side of the day room to the other. First fight of many, man, in, in prison that I lost. And, and I tell people all the time, Jim, from Dallas County Jail to the penitentiary, I probably got three dozen fights, and, man, I lost 75% of those fights, Jim. I mean, I got my butt kicked all over county jail and prison, but I won every single one of those fights in my mind because Jackson told me you don't have to win all those fights, but you have to fight all those fights. And that's the thing in prison. No one's keeping track of wins or losses in there. They just want to see if you don't get back up and fight one day, and that's the day they devour you. And that's like life, Jim. you got to keep getting up and keep going. That's why – your podcast and the topic we're talking about today, man, this is this is my wheelhouse, brother. No, it is your wheelhouse, and this is why you were one of the first people, Damon, that I wanted to find. And believe me, I'm trying to bring this up to current day, but your story is so amazing that I want to make sure the people listening understand exactly what you went through to become who you are right now. One more angle before I get to the coffee bean. So you're fighting all these fights, but about six weeks in, you decide you've got to get to the basketball court. Why was this so important for you to get on the court? So here's what's up, Jim. It took me two weeks to get through the white gangs. And, man, and, 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 I mean, it was rough. It was brutal. And after that, they tap out. They send the black gangs after me. And, and I mean, every, and what it is is open season on Damon West. 45 cells got a white boy in it, man, that won't give up the program. And, I mean, I'm, I'm getting in fights. Every time they roll the cell doors, Jim, man, there's some days I don't even go to chow because I'm worried someone's going to say, hey, West, I want to look at you in the shower. And then if someone's sitting in prison says that they want to look at you in the shower, that's not a homosexual statement, man. That's saying, hey, I want to I look at your boxing game in the shower. Because all that blood you're about to spill, and there's no cameras back there, no guards, a lot of boxing goes on in the showers. And so about six weeks into it, man, I've been fighting the black gangs, and sometimes more than one at a time. I get up one Monday morning, and I decide, you know what, if, if I'm going to fight these guys like this, I'm going to do it playing sports because I'm an athlete, Jim. I was a Division One college quarterback. I'm an athlete. And I've been watching these guys on the basketball court out there. And the rec yard, you've got to understand the rec yard in the life sentence building of this maximum security prison in Texas, man. It's the most segregated place I've ever seen. They've got a sand volleyball court, Jim, and whites and Hispanics only on the sand volleyball court. No blacks allowed. Handball court, all the races can play handball. But if you want to partner up and play doubles with somebody, your partner has to be the same skin color as you. Same thing on the weight stack. You want to pump some iron, just like in the prison movies, man. Everybody wants to push that weight. You can pump, you can pump that iron. Any race, any race can use the weight stack. But if you want someone to spot you, someone to work out with you, got to be the same race as you, man. You cannot mix the races in that rec yard. And I passed all those sports up that Monday morning. I went straight to the basketball court because the basketball court is run by the blacks, and there's no white guys allowed in the basketball court. But, Jim, man, I've been the only white guy in the basketball court before. I've been the only white guy in a lot of places before. 
this is in my wheelhouse right there. So, but the problem is I can't get on that game because no white guys are allowed in that court. But, man, I found a flaw in their system, Jim. And after every game these guys played, they would do, what, they, they do what's called shooting for teams. Shooting for teams means the first two guys to make a basket get to be the team captains. So I'll form a plan. If I can get that ball in my hands, then I can shoot for teams too. And I'm watching this game unfold Monday morning, and I, and I get on the side of the court where I know the game's about to end. And as soon as the last basket, basketball goes to the last basket for that last shot, I went and fell on that football. I went and fell on that basketball like a fumble drill in football, Jim. I've got that ball wrapped up. The entire basketball court sucks up around me. I mean, just a sea of angry black faces, and they are pissed, man. They're, man. they're like, hey, give us our ball back, white boy. Have you lost your mind, man? We're going to hurt you, white boy. And Jim, in the toughest voice I could find, squeaking and cracking, man. I'm like, man, y'all going to have to hurt me because I'm playing basketball today, man. I'm getting my shot. I'm getting one shot. Man, these guys are incredulous at this point, Jim. I mean, they're screaming at me, spitting on me, man. The biggest dude out there, man, this blood from Houston named Jay Blood. He gets up in my face and he says, you know what, white boy? He said, get up on the line and shoot that shot. He said, man, I hope you make this. And, man, Jim, that basketball court parted and that free throw line appeared. And I step up to that line. And, you know, but the thing about it is, though, Jim, you replay that free throw in your head, man. At that point, I feel like i got nothing left to, left to lose because I've got to fight these guys every day anyway, man. So I steal my nerve, and I let my ball go, and I make my shot. I'm a team captain. We played basketball that first day, that Monday, man. I come out after the rec yard. I got a black eye and a busted lip. But, Jim, I survived, and I came back out there Tuesday. And everybody's laughing at me. They're like, hey, white boy, we thought you had enough. And I'm like, hey, man, I thought you boys were playing basketball. What's up? Jim, wow. I never had to worry about shooting, shooting for teams again. I got picked first every game after that. They wanted to make sure my ass was on that court playing basketball every single game. And it's not a five-on-five five game, Jim. It's nine-on-one. Man, these guys are trying to break me. And, and I'm like a pinata out there, man. I'm taking it from everybody. But I'm, getting, I'm giving it back where I can. But I found out something along the way on that basketball court. It took, it took me six days to get through this ritual with these guys. And at the end of six days, they finally accepted me out there. They finally said, you know, Jay Boyd came up on Saturday, man, after six days of this brutal hockey, football, basketball thing I'm playing. He said, man, you pulled something off out here we had never seen a white boy pull off before West. He said, you took everything we had, and you gave it back when you could. He said, it took guts. He said, but you never once got racial with us, man. You never once dropped any racial words. He said, man, you don't have to worry about the blacks the rest of the time you're in prison, West. You're good with us. And, you know, Jim, what I learned on that basketball court is that every day facing my adversity, I got a little bit better and a little bit stronger. And the results didn't look any different out there. I mean, I'm still getting knocked around. But, man, I'd wake up every morning a little bit more confident. You know, the guy that woke up Monday morning was so different than the guy that woke up that Saturday when he finally got accepted. Damon, wow. So you have those six days. Now, that brings me back to Jackson. Jackson sent you off, and he sent you off with kind of a playbook of how this thing was going to look and feel and what it was going to be like on the inside. But not only did he tell you about race, and he told you that you were not to walk alone or what you had to do if you wanted to walk alone, you had to earn that right. But most importantly, what he did tell you is that prison is like a pot of boiling water. What did he mean by that? That's right, in Dallas County Jail. Jackson pulls me aside, and he says, hey, look, you know, let me break it down for you another way, West. He said, I want you to imagine prison as a pot of boiling water. And he said, anything we put in this pot of boiling water is going to be changed by the heat and the pressure inside that pot. He said, I'm going to put three things in that pot of boiling water and watch how they change. He said, he said a carrot, an egg, and a coffee bean. And so he walks me through it. He said, you know, if I put a carrot in that pot of boiling water we call prison, West, what happens to the carrot? 
And I'm like, well, Mr. Jackson, the carrot turns soft in boiling water. He said, that's right, West. He said, the carrot went into the water hard, but the water, the prison, changed the hard carrot, turned it soft and mushy and weak. He said, the carrot got beat, he got robbed, he got raped, and he may have gotten killed. He said, you don't want to be the carrot. He said, what about the egg, West? And I was like, you know, an egg turns hard, Mr. Jackson, like a hard-boiled egg. He said, that's right. He said, the egg, West, has a shell that protects it physically, but inside that shell, that soft, liquid core, his heart becomes hardened. He said, if your heart becomes hardened, you're incapable of giving or receiving love. He said, if you're incapable of giving or receiving love, you have become institutionalized, and you will not come back as someone your parents recognize because your eggshell will have swastikas tattooed all over it. And then he asked me the question. He said, what about the coffee bean? And Jim, I had no clue. I didn't know what happened to a coffee bean in a pot of boiling water. And he told me, and he shared with me one of the most important lessons I've ever learned. He said, if I put a coffee bean into that same pot of boiling water we call prison, he said, now, now you've got to change the name of the water to coffee. Because he said the coffee bean, West, the smallest of these three things, he said, small like you, had the power to change the entire atmosphere inside that pot of boiling water because the power was inside the coffee bean just like the powers inside of you. He said everything else was affected by the water, was changed by the water. The carrot was changed by the water. The egg was changed by the water. But the coffee bean changes the water. He said everybody in life puts out energy, negative or positive. He said whatever kind of energy you put out, you're going to attract back. He said it's the law of attraction. He said, so if you want to walk around prison all the time with a mean mug on your face and a scowl, you want to try to look hard, he said, what you're really going to do is attract the hardest inmates into your life. He said, well, you're going to the life sentence building. That could be a dangerous, even deadly endeavor for you. He said, but West, if you walk around that prison with a smile on your face and you let those guys know they're not getting you, no matter what they do, they can't break you, West. He said, you will change prison from the inside out. And he said, the best part about it is the other coffee beans in prison, the other positive inmates will find you because of your energy. And the last thing Mr. Jackson told me when I was leaving prison, the prison bus came to pick me up, and they're shackling me up to another human being. The last thing I hear from Mr. Jackson, he said, West, go out there and go be a coffee bean. Be a coffee bean, Jim. Four words, man. If this old man would shoot me straight, that meant that the power was inside of me, and that the power's inside me. It's not in the hands of the criminal justice system, the guards, the other inmates. I mean, not unless I give it to them, but if the power's truly inside me, Jim, truly inside me, that means no matter what environment I'm dropped off into, no matter what prison I go into, no matter what my adversity I face in life, I won't just survive. I will thrive. So and I got they, my chance to find out. So, I mean, the message, of course, is then it's within all of us. So let me ask you this. I mean, few of us will ever do the hard time that you did in a maximum security prison. And while I'm not saying this is in anywhere near what you had to go through, but, Damon, are not many of us not also incarcerated in our own mental prisons? Are we not incarcerated mentally, spiritually, emotionally? And if so, how do we do that time? How do we escape that prison or get out? You know, Jim, that's a, that's a profound statement you just made. And let's, let's talk about this, man. Let's unpack what you just said, because what you said is loaded with truth, man. I tell people all the time, and Jim, in this new life, I got out of prison in 2015, made parole, I'm on parole the rest of my life, and one of the things I did when I got out is I became a college professor. I went back and got my master's in criminal justice, and, and I teach a class, Jim, at the University of Houston downtown called Prisons in America, 
and I mean, think about the digest that for a second. I, I was in prison in America five years ago, and today I teach as a professor about prisons in America. But I can tell you with authority, Jim, about prisons after doing time in, in prisons and teaching about them, that I meet more people out here in the free world that are locked up than I ever did when I was in prison. More people are imprisoned by their thoughts and by their things than by steel bars and barbed wire and concrete. You can take that to the bank. The toughest place to do time in the United States of America, the hardest prison in this country, is the prison in your mind. And when you become a prisoner in your mind, hardest place to make parole from, Jim. And how do you avoid becoming a prisoner in your mind? That's it, right? That's the, that's the big question everybody wants to know. How do I not become a prisoner in my mind? Because, you know, you take it during the pandemic, Jim. I saw so many people almost literally fall apart spiritually, emotionally, you know, mentally, because of what the pandemic brought on. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, you people, you're not allowed to have bad days. You are. I mean, I have days where I'm the carrot. I have days where I'm the egg. But I have to always take a step back and realize that having a bad day, Jim, is a, is a choice. You, you choose to have a bad day because at any time you want, you can stop your day, start it over, and, and have a good day. Now, but there's things you have to do. You have to understand. There's two things I learned about adversity, Jim. Two things I learned about adversity. One is I'm always capable of way more than I think I am. And two, the situation is never as bad as I think it will be. My thoughts get in the way sometimes of me doing things in life because inside my head is this machine that will churn out the worst possible scenarios. So I have to work around that, and I have to start – I have to look for the, the opportunities in adversity, Jim. And it, it, it's a mindset that I've had to train myself with, and it started by being in a maximum security prison. I had a conversation with a cellmate of mine. This is a story we didn't even get into last time, Jim. The cellmate of mine named Carlos, man. Carlos was a little five foot four bank robber from San Antonio, serving life for attempted capital murder. And a uh, good dude, though, real good dude. I mean, he is, uh, you know, he and I got along really well. And I'm telling Carlos, this is, this is after the basketball court, and, and I'm, I, I can't figure out how to become that coffee bean inside that maximum security prison, man. I, I'm, I'm becoming the egg. And there was a conversation I had with Jackson back in county jail, and I, and I asked him one day, what do you find more of in prison? And he fired off immediately. He said, eggs. He said, the egg is a natural evolution of a human being inside the environment you're about to go into. He said, you're, you're going to probably become an egg too, West. And I was becoming that egg, and I didn't want to be. And so I'm telling Carlos about the story, about the carrot, the egg, and the coffee bean. And Carlos, you know, he jumps off his bunk. He gets real excited. He's real animated. And he said, West, I love the coffee bean story. He said, but you're no coffee bean, man. He said, and I'm sorry to tell you, you're never going to be a coffee bean. And I got angry, Jim. I mean, I was like, what do you mean, Carlos? How come I can't be a coffee bean? He said, because the way you think. He said, the way you think controls the way you act. He said, all action is born of thought. He said, thoughts without action, they're just thoughts. He pointed to the day room downstairs. A prison day room, Jim, was the most chaotic place you've ever seen. Just people screaming and yelling, TVs on blaring. He said, that day room is thoughts without action. He said, all those people down there, none of those inmates will ever do anything in their life because all they do is just talk. They don't act. And he gave me a riddle. He said, three frogs are sitting on a log. One of the frogs makes the decision to jump. He said, how many frogs, West, are sitting on the log? And I'm a smart guy, Jim. I've been to college. You know, I told him, two, man, there's two frogs on the log. He said, wrong. He said, all three frogs are sitting in the log, West. He said, the frog that made the decision to jump never took any action to jump. And he said, that's what you are right now. You haven't taken any action. 
And he told me, he said, if you want to become that coffee bean, you have to quit looking at prison as a punishment and start looking at prison as an opportunity. That God refused to call prison a punishment. And that's what we have to do, Jim. That's where I'm arriving at with this whole long explanation is we have to look at our, our situations that we're in, the adversity we're in. We have to look for the opportunities in the adversity. I, I heard your, your, your podcast with Ed Milet, man, great podcast. And, and Ed said some, dropped a bunch of good nuggets in there. But there was something he said about things not happening to you but, but for you, you know. And that's what life is about. We have to look at every adverse situation and find the opportunities in there because they're in there, Jim. That's amazing, and and I'm really glad you heard that. And that was one of my big takeaways from that conversation, Damon, with Ed, that things do not happen to you. They happen for you. You know, let me just be personal and be real for a moment. One of the biggest reasons, Damon, that I wanted to begin this podcast is because I felt like I sort of hit a wall, like I've had this really good run, but I was concerned that if I kept doing what I was doing, not only would I not improve, but I would actually deteriorate and then fade. And frankly, it scared the hell out of me. So I was, and I am looking for a way to reboot or looking for a way to reinvent myself. And I want to do it on every level. And I put this, I put it out there. I said it mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And sure enough, I come across coffee bean lesson number one. In short, Damon, what is coffee bean lesson number one? What does it encompass? Positive body language, man. But the first rule about being a coffee bean, really, Jimmy, it has to start with positive body language. Your positive body language affects everything else, man. People read your body language for cues, and your body language, your energy is either going to infect the rooms you go into or it's going to affect them. Infect is a negative term, and affect is positive. So your energy affects everybody around you. And we're rolling into coffee bean lesson number two here is that work out every day, spiritually, mentally, and physically. This means that we have to work on ourselves in three areas. Jim, I, man, I was, you would have loved some of the games I got to see on the record, man. They had guys that I was locked up with in prison that could play in the NBA or the NFL. These guys were physical, massive specimens. But all they did was work out on their bodies. They never worked out on their minds, and they never worked out on their soul. You want to be a happy person, you want to be a fulfilled person, you want to be a complete person, you want to become that servant leader, you got to work out on all three areas, Jim. you got to find a way to tap into a life that's spiritual. And, and look, I, I don't know what religion you know, your listeners are. I don't know if they have any religion at all. It doesn't matter. That's not my business. But you need to find something out there and tap into it, man. That, that spiritual realm, if you're not – if you don't have that trifecta of spiritual, you know, mentally and physically – then you're not going to be working on all cylinders like that. And your spiritual workout, you know, I tell people all the time what my spiritual workout is. Man, people ask me, what, you know, how do you do that? And, man, I start off with the same prayer that I learned when I got into recovery. I got into a 12-step program in prison. I still am in this. I'll, I'll never leave the 12-step program. I, you don't graduate from these things. And I learned how to pray when I got into prison. And I say the same prayer every morning. You could plug this into any religion. I, I get on my knees in the morning, Jim, and I say, hey, God, put in front of me what you need me to do today for you, and let me recognize it when I see it. And that's it, Jim. I don't ask for anything. I don't ask for, I don't have a list of things I think I want or need. I, in my faith, I trust that if, if I take care of what God puts in front of me to do for him, then he's going to take care of my needs too. Not my wants, but my needs. Big distinction there. And, and then after that, your mental workout your mental workout is all the stuff you consume, all the books you read, the videos you watch, the websites you go to, your social media feeds, who are you following, what are you posting, the company you keep. I tell young people all the time, man, if you show me who you hang out with, I can tell you who you are. 
You know, this is your mental workout. Everything you put in that big brain of yours up there, Jim, is going to reflect on how you are on the outside, too. Yeah, I mean, you look at it now. You watch people watch TV and they watch the stuff that, that calls itself news where people are screaming at each other. Man, that's not news. That's negative entertainment. And America is addicted to negative entertainment right now. Turn that stuff off, man. This stuff's not enriching your lives. And if it's not enriching your lives, it's holding you back. And physical, Jim? Man, physical. You've got to take care of yourself physically. You know, that's, that's the thing. You know, it's impossible to feel bad when you're moving around. Like Ed Milet even, Ed Milet even talked to that too. Man, that's one of the things I tell people about being physical. You know, eat the right foods. Get enough rest. Take care of your bodies. You've got one body in this life. And you got to take care of it. And, Jim, during the pandemic, people had a lot more time on their hands. And, and that was one of the things I told people, man, you got to find a way to take care of yourself in three areas, spiritually, mentally, and physically. But if you're not doing that, Jim, you're not going to be a coffee bean. I love that. I love everything you just said about that, Damon. That all makes so much sense to me. Now, this next thing, and you referenced Ed Milet, and Inky Johnson is somebody I came on that came on as well, and they both shared variations of this. And you yourself, Damon, are the living embodiment of this, but it applies to so many of us, I think. You obviously believe deeply in this, deeply in the fact that your past does not define you. Discuss, if you would, how that relates to you and then to all of us. How does it relate to all of us? Yeah, your past. That's the thing, Jim. People get so caught up in in, in the past, you know, the past – Bad, the past good, your, your past wins, your past losses. Man, here's the reality. None of that stuff matters, Jim, because it's in the past. Your past, I tell people all the time, is your lesson. You learn from it, and, and you can teach other people with it. The present today is a gift. You know, you got to make the most of the day. And the gift, when I, say, when I say the present is a gift, Jim, I'm not talking about a gift for you. The present is a gift for what you can do for other people. It's what you can put back in the stream of life today. I tell people all the time, the secret to life is called servant leadership, serving other people, helping other people achieve their goals in life, helping to raise other people up to a different station of life. Because, Jim, when we are helping other people, man, that's when we are at our best. You know, That's what we're made to do. That's what we're called to do because someone has helped us get where we are along the way. Jim, I know your story, man. You had help along the way. You didn't just pop up and become one of the best radio personalities ever in the history of this country. People helped you get there. And people are going to continue to help you in all walks of life. And every one of us depends on, on people helping out along the way. And that's what we have to give to other people, too. We've got to find ways every day to put back into that and, and, and help other people out, Jim. And the future, man, the future is your motivation, you know, but you've got to motivate yourself with the right stuff. Here's that whole thing about the prison in your mind. Whenever you don't motivate yourself with the right things, with good things, with spiritual things, positive things, you get locked up. You get locked up because, you know, People get so caught up on material things and, and things that are outside of their control. And the reality is, Jim, you control four things in this life. Four. You control what you think, what you say, what you feel, and most importantly, everybody's going to see what you do, what you think, what you say, what you feel, and what you do. These are the only four things you control. Everything else is happening around you. You, know? you control your reaction to those things happening around you, but you don't control those things. And once you understand that, once you operate – in that philosophy that, you know what, I'm not going to waste any more of my time because time is the most precious resource I have. And once it's gone, it's gone for good. And all the money in the world can't buy one more second of this stuff. I'm not going to waste any more of that stuff on things I don't control or things I can't affect. What I will do, though, is focus on the four areas that I do control 
and make the most out of those areas every single day. And one of the things I tell people all the time, Jim, one of the most important roles in society, one of the most important jobs of anybody in society is people that do sanitation work, the guy that you would call the garbage man. This is one of the most important roles in society. Imagine if sanitation workers just stopped working and nobody picked up the trash anymore. Trash would be piled sky high on the streets in front of everybody's house. People's houses would be blocked by trash, and no one wants to live in a society where garbage is on the streets. Society breaks down. If the sanitation workers stop doing their jobs, all of society breaks down. In your own life, you are your sanitation worker in your emotional, spiritual life. You've got to take out your trash. That means you've got to work through a personal inventory. You've got to go through your life and say, hey, what are my fears? What are the things that are holding me back? What are my resentments? And you've got to let those resentments go, Jim. Those resentments are the things that, man, that stuff will eat you up. The opposite of resentment is forgiveness. And, and, and a resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Resentments destroys from the inside. I mean, they, hate corrodes that containers contained in, Jim, and you've got to let that go. But you've got to keep your side of the street clean. You got to do your own time and let other people do their own time. That's what I mean by your past is your lesson. You know, your present is your gift, and your future is your motivation, Jim. My man, we've got to take out the trash now. In part, you answered this before I let you go, Damon. You one of your books is called The Change Agent, and again, I feel like I'm in a spot in my life, and I think a lot of others are as well, where they want more, they want to do more, they want to be more, they want a reason to roll out of the rack in the morning and get after it, but it's just not there. I'm not saying I don't have that, but I think a lot of people do not have that. It's not happening. They want something different. They want to change. They might even be willing to pay the price, but they don't know how to become a change agent. What is the process? What do you do? How does that work? I mean, the process of being a change, I mean, Jim, if you want to be the change you want to see in the world, it starts with you. One of the things I tell people all the time, this resentment thing is so powerful, is that you've got to find a way to live your life where you have no enemies. I have no enemies, Jim. That doesn't mean I'm not someone's enemy, but it means that I have no enemy. It's a spiritual goal that says, you know what, I'm not going to allow anybody, anybody to get inside my head. And if you want to become a change agent, man, it starts with you. It starts with you waking up in the morning and you looking at whatever pot of boiling water you're in and saying, you know what, this is my opportunity, my opportunity to to make an impact in the world, to get better today. But you've got to take care of yourself first because if you don't – you can't give what you don't have, Jim. And if you don't have that peace inside of you, that serenity inside you, then you can't be – something like you can't be something positive in, in other people's lives. You've got to get that going in your life too. And that's so important. I think people, you know, people want to deflect a lot of times from what's really going on and what's bothering them in their life because not everybody wants to deal with what's in their life. But this baggage, this trash that accumulates in your life will, you know, it, it'll override your entire life. It'll suffocate you, Jim. It, and that's the thing, being a change agent, you know, I wrote that book back in 2019 when it came out, and it, it took off because I think that the power in that book is that people saw – people. you can't deny what you can see, Jim. People saw the story of a guy that gets thrown into a maximum security prison in Texas, a maximum security level five penitentiary, the hardest place there is to do time in the state of Texas, and he didn't just survive that experience. He thrived, and people want to know how did he do it, and the blueprint was there. The blueprint was there to be that coffee bean. 
because that's where the change is. It's all inside of us, Jim. The world around us doesn't dictate how we live. It's what goes on inside of us. So as I mentioned, Damon, this is an all-time story of reinvention and transformation. You get out. You did seven years and a few months. You get a master's degree. You become a criminal justice professor. You marry an amazing woman. You become a best-selling author, a successful motivational speaker. It's been such an unusual year anyway. What am I missing? Before you go, what else have you done since you and I last spoke? Oh, my God, Jim. It's been crazy. It's, it is, but it's that thing. Look. During the pandemic, Jim, we talked in July, you know, the whole speaking world. I mean, you know, I'm a keynote speaker, and there's nobody having presentations anymore. There's no book signings going on. And I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the world, and I'm like, man, I've, I've got I've to keep going. I've got to keep building. I've got to keep changing and adapting. And that's one of the things you have to do. You have to be able to pivot and adapt. And so, you know, one of the things I did when the oil market tanked, I got into the oil business. I became an oil and gas operator. And um, right now I have some oil wells down in South Texas that are cranking out oil at about $67 a barrel. Um, and when I got into this, Jim, everybody was like, hey, did you see the price of oil today? It was like negative you know, $1 or something like that. It was when oil dropped to a negative. I'm like, yeah, but oil's going to come back, and it always does. So one of the things, Jim, is I started a, a, a company called Coffee Bean Energy, man. And I've, I've got a couple oil wells down in South Texas that are cranking out barrels. Um, another thing is, um, you know, I got hooked up with this company called MindView. And MindView, man, what they do, they're a platform that measures and builds mindsets. And it's about how our person's thinking or feeling. And, you know, this MindView platform, they have a mental assessment tool that, they, that we work with with companies and groups and teams and organizations. This thing is, is cutting edge. But one of the best things that I got to do, Jim, because it's what I talked about earlier, is servant leadership. Servant leadership, like I told you before, is the secret to life. And during the pandemic, my wife and I, we started a foundation, the Be a Coffee Bean Foundation. But we didn't really know what the foundation was going to do, right? We didn't have the clear purpose. All we knew is that we wanted to have a foundation that was rooted in criminal justice reform. Because obviously my life has dealt with criminal justice. And we wanted to help reduce incarceration uh, incarceration rates for at-risk youth and provide second chances. We wanted to help kids along the way, too, who had parents that were incarcerated. We didn't know how to get into this, but then it hit us. We developed this program where what we're going to do, this coffee bean, this initiative, we call it Mr. Coffee Bean. Now, get this, Jim. This has never been done in the history of America before, in the history of American prisons. Mr. Coffee Bean, we find black incarcerated men Black men with nonviolent, non-aggravated charges. And here's why we're going after black men for this program. Because black men make up almost 50% of the prison population in America. Almost 50%, Jim. They make up only 6.5% of the population in this country, yet they make up almost 50% of your incarcerated population in America. But we looked it up, and black men only make up 2% of the public education teachers in America. And so we thought to ourselves, what if we could find black men who are incarcerated that have low-level crimes. These, these guys have nonviolent, non-aggravated crime, low-level offenses. They've got the aptitude to test in the college, and they also don't have a lot of time left on their sentences. And what we're going to do is we're going to take five men in the first cohort, and we're going to ship them to one prison unit right next to a college campus. And the college professors are going to come into the prison, and they're going to get an elementary school education. 
these five men, these five men that we've handpicked and selected for this program are going to get an elementary school education. And at the end of their education, when they graduate and become certified elementary school teachers, they're going to parole out of prison, and they're going to put them in the toughest school districts in that state, the toughest elementary schools in that state, because there's studies that show, Jim, Johns Hopkins studies that show that if a black boy has a black male teacher in the classroom from the formative years of second to fifth grade, man, he's like 36% more likely to graduate high school himself, you know, more likely to become a teacher one day. So what we're going to do is we're going to take people who have made mistakes in life but are redeemable, put them back in to the pot of boiling water out here on the outside where these kids are, where these kids need a positive male role model that looks like them, and we're going to tackle criminal justice reform from two angles. It's a pre-intervention, one, and the other part of it is, is second chances because so many people gave me second chances when I got out of prison, but it doesn't stop there, Jim. The foundation is taken off, and one of the things we're going to do is when these guys get out of prison, the foundation steps in and says, hey, we got your first year salary. We're going we're gonna to cover it because we don't want the taxpayers to have to pay any of this stuff. Your first, real, your, first real, your first year salary is covered. Your clothes are covered. We're going to get you a used car that's donated to the foundation. We're going to get you a place to live. We're going to give you all the tools you need to, to succeed because, Jim, none of this stuff works if you don't give a man the tools they need to succeed. I truly believe that when you have these prison programs and they don't have anything waiting for them on the outside, it's a, it, it's a recipe for disaster. But we're going to take all that away, Jim. That's one of the things we're doing with our foundation, the Be a Coffee Bean Foundation. I feel like it's a calling in life. And, you know, you know I, my, the main thing I do in life is I'm a keynote speaker. Um, that stuff took off, Jim, in August when the world started to open up again. The country started to open up again. People started having presentations. I started going out and doing a lot more speaking. But the, the foundation stuff, Jim, is near and dear to my heart. You know, it, the other initiative we have in the foundation is this, this thing called Coffee Bean Cares. And, you know, Cares is an acronym stands for Cultivating Activities and Relationships Through Extracurricular, extracurricular Scholarships. And what we do is we take incarcerated men and women in America that have children, and we're going to have a program that says, hey, look, you know, if you've got a kid out there and you're incarcerated – we want to help your kids stay involved in extracurricular activities because the numbers show that, you know, if a child has an incarcerated parent, he or she is more likely to end up incarcerated themselves. I mean, and we want to break that cycle. And that's one of the things, Jim, I truly believe that I was let out of prison to not just go out there and share with everybody the, the story of the coffee bean and how they can better themselves, but to find a way to go out there and to, to help out with this situation, Jim, because here's the deal, man. We're all in this together. And we've got to figure out a way around this stuff. And, you know, right now we're in discussions with the state of Louisiana to bring this program to life, this, call me, this, this Mr. Coffee Bean program to life. So uh, it's, it's exciting, Jim. There's been a lot of stuff. Um, you know, it's, just, it's been a wild year, Jim. It's, it's amazing to hear all that. And you're right, Damon. We have to figure it all out. We have to all figure it all out. And it is amazing to see what's transpired even since you and I last spoke. Damon, really quickly, and I do appreciate the time so much and the conversation. So great to get caught up with you. If somebody wants to bring you in to be a keynote speaker because these doors are opening up once again, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, you know, my, my website, DamonWest.org, my Twitter handle, at DamonWest7. Uh, Instagram at Damon West Seven. You can you know email me at Damon at DamonWest.org. Um, you know one of the other things too, Jim, I, I forgot to talk about, man, was just, it, there's just so much that's happened. Uh, this 
producer out in Hollywood named Eric Tannenbaum. He's you know optioning the, the change agent. We talked about the change agent before in this conversation to be a, like a ten part limited series. You know, this one of these things you put on Netflix or Hulu. But um, right now we're out trying to find the right people to attach themselves to this to this project. So you know we're trying to find the the right lead actor to play me. But we're also looking for the right lead actor, the co-lead, to play Mr. Jackson. And what I, what has to happen with this Mr. Jackson character, Jim, this is so important. This Mr. Jackson character is a strong black voice. This guy is the one that taught me so much about racism. He taught me about life. He taught me about being a coffee bean. And this is something that we have, you know, one of the people that, you know, first came to mind. I mean, it, and we're open to a lot of different you know, a lot of different people playing this, but Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle is someone that, you know, came to mind and I had a friend, I have a friend that knows Dave Chappelle and he introduced me to Dave back in January in Austin. We met up and I got to share with Dave this whole story, my life story, break it down for him for an hour. And I mean, Dave was just floored, but I asked him at the end, Jim, I said, Dave, I need you to be Mr. Jackson. This, the, the country needs you to be Mr. Jackson. This, because here's the deal. I told Dave, I said, Dave, Mr. Jackson taught me so much, a white man, so much about the realities of race and racism in America. And I said, you've been trying to teach people for almost 20 years about racism in America and the realities of social justice through your comedy. I said, your comedy isn't so much comedy sometimes as it is commentary. And I I need to bring that to a 10-part limited series. So, so far, no word back from Dave Chappelle. Don't know if, uh, if it's something he wants to do. But, Jim, I'm looking forward to it, man. We're going to make this a limited series at some point. And, uh... Just looking forward to it, brother. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see how that plays out. Can't wait to see that. Can't wait to see or can't wait to consume that because, after all, we are what we consume. Damon, it's a powerful message. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate the friendship, the relationship. I appreciate you spending so much time on this podcast. That's why I wanted to have that conversation, and you are the absolute best, man. All the best to you, and thank you so much for doing that. Jim, thanks a lot, brother. Thank you for the time. Heyman, look, anytime I can do something for you, you let me know. You've done so much for me, brother. Let me know when I can serve you, Jim. So as mentioned, Damon West's story is one of the most incredible I have ever heard. And as always, I only have the time and the space to respond to a few things. So here are my thoughts. I love this notion that you don't have to win all your fights, but you do have to fight all your fights. Now, forget for a moment that for Damon, this was literal, not metaphorical. And it played out for him on a near daily basis in a maximum security prison. Virtually none of us will ever be in that position. But think about how it does apply to our lives. Everybody gets their ass kicked. Everybody. You, me, Mike Tyson, when he was the baddest man on the planet at one point, got knocked the hell out. Everybody gets their ass kicked, which is exactly the point. You don't have to win all your fights, but you do have to fight all your fights. And what that means to you and to me is showing the hell up every single day, no matter what, and fighting with everything you've got. Because you know life is going to kick your ass. It has before, and it will again. And the reason for that, life truly is the undisputed, undefeated, untied, heavyweight champion of the history of the world. It cannot lose. Just know this. And know that there is no shame in losing the fight, 
but only in running from it. Because the only person who gets nothing out of a fight is the person who doesn't even bother to show up for it. Also, intellectually, I understand Damon's message about being a coffee bean. And that that message transformed and probably saved his life. I get that. But frankly, this is a really different dude. An exceptional dude. I'm not sure that personally I could have taken that message into that environment and survived, much less come out of it the way he did. In fact, the truth is, for most of us, the most terrifying thing ever is going to prison. How many of us probably wouldn't survive seven weeks in that environment, much less the seven plus years that he served? And while most of us never will have to, the fact of the matter is we are doing time, right? And in some cases, long stretches in the prisons that we have created for ourselves in our own minds. We actually are, in many cases, incarcerated. Maybe not physically, but mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. But to Damon's point, you can break those chains. And it starts between your ears. And it starts with a choice. As he says, haul out the garbage. All of it. To Damon's point, not only is it true that you are what you eat, but also you are what you consume. I feel really strongly about this too. Like if you're reading the wrong things and you're watching the wrong videos and you're spending countless hours, even days on the wrong websites and filling your mind with garbage, you'll be looking at a life sentence in your own mind without the eligibility for parole, right? So take care of your mind, take care of your body, take out the freaking garbage. If you're mentally or spiritually incarcerated, commit to rehabilitating yourself. You are what you eat. You are what you consume. You are who you roll with. So choose really carefully. Choose positivity and happiness and turn off all the negative garbage. Turn that crap off physically and tune it out mentally. And finally, if you are feeling a little beaten down, as my guy Ed Milet says, Put your phone down, shut off your laptop, get up and move around because it's impossible to feel sad or depressed if you're moving around and you're doing something physically, i.e. if you want to change your mental state, start by changing your physical state. As always, thank you so much for making the time to listen to this podcast. I know I personally got an absolute ton out of that conversation with Damon West. I hope that you did as well. And remember, a brand new episode drops every Thursday as we talk reinvention and transformation. So please make sure you're subscribed. And if you could take a moment to review the pod and share it, that would be absolutely amazing. Have yourself an incredible week, and I will see you again next time for episode five. Let's get it. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.